that, ladies and gentlemen, is the sound of water running. But this water is different. This water belongs to a hot spring. This water is not cold. This water is full of healthy minerals like sulfur. This water is located about a 20-hour drive from where I live. This water is about 50 degrees hot. And in the summer, when it was 45 degrees outside, I got in this water. Am I crazy? Probably. Is that normal? No. Is it normal? To drive 20 hours in 45 degree heat to jump into a body of water that is 50 degrees Celsius? Fuck no it's not. But guess what, I'm Ronan and I am certainly not normal. Anyways, let's hit it because this podcast is all about Liard Hot Springs. I'm from Ireland. I live in Canada. I hike mountains and I teach English. But most of all, I am the host of this beautiful English language podcast. The Little Seal English Podcast is designed to expose you to real English in use. Expose you to useful English. Expose you to relevant English and, of course... To make you laugh and have fun when learning. In this podcast, you will learn English and a whole bunch more. If you are interested in transcripts, check out my website. If you're interested in English courses, check out my website. If you're interested in complaining, check out my website. And if you're interested in learning more about Ronin, our little seal English, check out out my website www.littlesealenglish.com Alright, I think we've covered everything. Let's dive straight into this podcast. I hope you enjoy. Before we get into the details of this podcast, I have a question or two for you. Okay, I actually have about 11 questions for you. And each of these questions contains a keyword from the podcast, which will be explained in detail at the end of the podcast. So first, I'm going to read the 11 questions to you. And, you know, one thing I'd recommend would be for you to try and answer these questions, but record yourself and listen to your answers. Then, at the end of the podcast, try to answer the questions again and see if your answers have changed or not. It's a very good way to learn English. Anywho, question number one. Have you ever visited a hot spring? Two. Do you know what a hot spring is? 3. Have you ever used a pit toilet? Pit toilet. What the heck is a pit toilet? 4. 
Are there any lush gardens near your home? 5. What is the name of a famous company from your country and when was it established? 6. What is a year-round activity you can do in your country? 7. Have you ever touched an electric fence? Why? Why did you touch the electric fence? 8. How can you make a campfire ring? 9. Are there many vacant properties where you live and how much are they to rent for a month? 10. Is geothermal heating popular in your country? And number 11. Can you think of a city that is very diverse? So, each of those questions contains a keyword from today's podcast. You know, overall, the aim of this podcast is to teach you English, but also teach you something more than just English. Teach you about some interesting shit. And the interesting shit that we're going to learn about today is Liard Hot Springs. That's L-I-A-R-D. Liard Hot Springs. Look it up. It is gorgeous. There are 11 key words in this podcast. And those 11 words are number one, geothermal. Number two, a hot spring. Number three, first come, first served. Number four, established. Number five, electric fence. Number six, year round. Number seven, diverse. Number eight, lush. Number nine, vacant. Number ten, campfire rings. And number eleven, pit toilets. I will discuss these words in detail at the end of the podcast. But first, sit back, listen up, drink some coffee, learn some English... And relax, because I'm about to tell you about a recent trip I took to Leard Hot Springs. So, at the end of June last year, or what am I saying last year? At the end of June in 2021, my friends and I took a road trip to a place called Leard Hot Springs. Leard is an absolutely gorgeous natural hot springs located near the Yukon border, And that is about a 20-hour drive from where I'm living. A fucking long road trip. A road trip is a journey that you do in your car with some friends to get somewhere. You know, it's usually pretty fun. So, you know, because it's 20 hours away, we had to leave pretty early. We hit the road at about 4 a.m. on a Friday morning. We drove until about noon, we stopped, we had some lunch, and then we drove for about another five or six hours. We stayed, the first night, we stayed in a town called Fort St. John. And, you know, it was our first time to visit this town. It's not necessarily a ginormous or big town. But usually, when I visit a town, I want to get out and about and I want to see it. But not this time. Because we're so tired, you know, we're all pretty beat after the drive. We just grabbed the beer, grabbed some food, and then we fucking passed out. 
and like I think we just put on some terrible movies on on the TV and like the three of us just fell asleep pretty early. Anyways, on the Saturday morning, you know, we hit the road pretty early again because on the Saturday we had a 10-hour drive ahead of us. Long story short, guys, we drove through a lot of areas where there was nothing. We were in a very, very remote area of BC. You know, I look up the road, nothing. I look down the road, nothing. I look to my left, nothing. I look to my right, nothing. We drove for hours without seeing another car. It's not the kind of place that you want to break down. Because you would be stranded. You would have to hope someone comes along because you can't walk anywhere. It's too far. So... On the Saturday, we drove for roughly 10 or 11 hours. And eventually, we arrived at the hot springs. And guys, for me, these hot springs are a must-see. If you visit BC, you must go to these hot springs. But you do need to plan your trip in advance because they are so far north. You know, it's not the kind of thing that you can wake up one day and say, Hey, today I'm going to Leard Hot Springs. Because it will take you a full day of driving to get there. Like, non-stop driving to get there. Anywho, um, as soon as we arrived at the Hot Springs, the first thing I notice is the giant electric fence surrounding the hot springs there is an eight foot high electric fence surrounding the entire hot springs you know i couldn't think of a reason why why do they have an electric fence but eventually i figured it out because i'm a fucking genius but i'm gonna let you think about why there is an electric fence surrounding a national park in british columbia any you know, we arrived on the Saturday afternoon at about 4 p.m. When we arrived, it was 45 degrees. Yeah, you heard that correctly. 40 fucking 5 degrees Celsius. It was boiling. We set up camp. We had a bite. We drank a beer. And then we got into our swim gear and made our way to the hot springs swimming pools. This is where it gets interesting. So, first... You walk through the park to the boardwalk, which goes to the hot springs. Boardwalk. B-O-A-R-D-W-A-L-K. Boardwalk. A boardwalk is a path made of wooden boards, usually on a beach or near some sort of water. There's probably a boardwalk in your country somewhere, and if you live by the coast, there's probably a boardwalk there. Anyways, we start walking down this long boardwalk, and to our left and right is a swamp. You don't want to jump in the water there, because it's a swamp. Anywho, as we get closer to the pools, we start to smell something. And you know what we can smell? We can smell rotten eggs. Yeah, you heard me. Rotten eggs. We smelt rotten eggs. And this is the one thing that I dislike about the hot springs is the smell of sulfur. Sulfur. S-U-L. 
F-U-R. Look it up because there's sulfur in the water. So the closer we get to the hot springs, the stronger the smell is. But even though it's a bad smell, you kind of don't really notice it after about 10 minutes or so. Finally, after walking the boardwalk for about 10 minutes, you can see steam rising from the trees. You can hear water running. You can hear people talking. And then you see it. You see the entrance to the hot springs pool. Let me tell you, they were gorgeous. It was like something from a fucking postcard. You know, there's a wooden deck that you can walk on. And then there's the pools. But I'm not talking about a swimming pool. I'm talking about a small pond or lake like a natural one. There's two pools. There's one hot pool and one hotter pool. There's nowhere to get into cold water in this place. And what do you do when you're there? You get into the hot water and relax. And that's it. That's your only job. Is relax. It's very easy. I'm like really good at relaxing. I didn't know how good I was until I went here. And you get into the water and I would just sip on water, like drink bottled cold water. I'd read my book. And I would just relax. It was it was amazing. It was wonderful. You know what else was super nice about the area? The fact that our phones did not work. It was beautiful. You know, we had no phone coverage. So all we did was talk, hike, sketch, or read. Because we're so far north, it never really got dark. I mean, the sun would set, but it never got pitch dark. You were always able to see, even without a flashlight, even without a torch. Sleeping was a little difficult, but, you know, after a couple of beers, after a long drive, and after sitting in the hot springs, you're gonna be tired. It was also super cool to see the wildlife in the area. We saw moose, we saw bison, and we saw many, many deer. But guys, the bison, they were incredible animals! Bison are ungulates, which means they have hooves and not feet. They're between 1,000 and 2,000 pounds. So we saw a lot of bison. Did not see any bears though. Here's a crazy one for you. When you're driving at night in this area, you need to be super, super careful. Because bison, for whatever crazy reason it is, they like to sleep on the middle of of the road yeah you heard me they like to sleep in the middle of the road at nighttime so when you're driving you need to be super careful because all of a sudden you might turn like turn a corner on the highway and boom there's a motherfucking bison there having a nap and remember these animals could be two thousand pounds so if you hit the bison They're probably going to be okay, but your car, well, probably won't be okay. So keep that in mind. Anyways, that was just a brief explanation of the hot springs and, and where I went in June. Now, you know, I was talking about a memory or a trip 
in that part. And when we're talking about memories or when we're talking about experiences, we often use the uh, the present simple, present continuous, past continuous, and past simple. All right, so listen to these two examples. Number one, we were driving to the hot springs and suddenly we saw a bison on the side of the road. Number two, so we're driving to the hot springs and then suddenly we see a bison on the side of the road. Now, those two sentences, they mean the exact same thing. There's no difference between those two sentences in meaning, but the way I said them was quite different. Number one was all in the past tense, whereas number two was in the present tense. Why was that? Here's two more examples. Number one, we arrived at the hot springs and the first thing I noticed was the electric fence. Number two, so we arrived to the hot springs and the first thing I noticed is the giant electric fence. Again, both of these sentences are good, both are effective, but sometimes we like to use the present tense to describe a scene, to paint a picture of what is happening. We often use it for something exciting. Okay, so overall, like, think about when you're watching a movie. Think about when you're talking to a friend about something super exciting that happened. Well, you can use either the past tense or the present tense to talk about memories. I'd strongly recommend that you go back and listen to the first part of the podcast, especially the part where I talk about just arriving to the hot springs and the part where I talk about walking the boardwalk. Because if you listen to those, you will notice that some of that was in the present tense and some of it was in the past tense. So remember, we use the present tense to describe scenes, to describe something exciting, despite the fact that happened in the past. Generally speaking, if you're going to describe a scene from a movie, you'd use the present tense. If you're going to describe a scene from a football game or a sporting event that is super exciting, you'll use the present tense. Yeah, I think that's about it in terms of grammar. Anyways, let's talk a little bit more about the hot springs and let's talk about them in a little more English teaching way, shall we? So before I actually read anything about the hot springs, I have 10 questions to ask you. First... I'll read the 10 questions, then I'll read some information about the hot springs, and you know, you need to try and answer those questions. Now these questions are also written in the description, so check the description out. Question number one. When was Liard Hot Springs established? Question number two. What is the name of the highway Liard Hot Springs is on? Question number three. What surrounds Liard Hot Springs? Question four. How hot is the Alpha Pool at the Hot Springs? Question five. What month is Liard Hot Springs closed? Question six. 
How much is day use of the hot springs for adults? Question 7. How much is an annual pass to the hot springs for a family? Question 8. If I don't book a campsite, can I stay there? Question 9. What facilities and what activities are available at the hot springs? And question 10. What should you not wear in the hot springs? So there were 10 questions all about the hot springs, which I'm going to read about now. So listen up and see if you can catch the answers for those 10 questions. Are you ready? <clears throat> Just clearing my throat. Liard Hot Springs was established on April 26, 1957. The park is 1,082 hectares big. The park is on the Alaska Highway, which connects Canada and the USA. The park is also surrounded by an 8-foot high electric fence. Well, that's crazy. There is a hot spring open to the public called the Alpha Pool, with water temperatures ranging from 42 to 52 degrees Celsius. It's hot! A wooden boardwalk leads to the hot springs pool from the campsite. The boardwalk passes through a warm water swamp and forest that supports rich and diverse plant communities as well as mammal and bird species. If you are lucky, you might even see moose feeding in the warm water beside the hot springs. Due to the lush plant life influenced by the warmth of the springs, the area was originally known as the Tropical Valley. Liard is open all year round, 12 months a year. It never closes. From April 1st to October 31st, there is a day use fee of $5 for adults, $3 for children, or $10 for families. Annual passes cost $10 for adults, $20 for families. Fees are payable only in cash at the park. Campsites can be reserved online. However, if you arrive without a booking or without a reservation and there is a vacant campsite, you can have it on a first-come, first-served basis. This park has lots of activities which you can do. For example, cycling, hiking, swimming and wildlife viewing. The park also has several facilities available, including campfire rings, a well for drinking water, picnic tables, and only pit toilets. There are no flush toilets at this park, only pit toilets. 
And a final word of warning. Whatever you do, do not wear silver into the hot springs as it will become discolored due to the sulfur in the water. Okay, folks, there you go. That was just some information about the hot springs that I pulled from the official Liard Hot Springs website. Did you catch the answers for the 10 questions? If I was beside you right now and I said, Hey, how hot is the alpha pool at the hot springs? Could you answer me? If I asked you how much an annual pass to the hot springs for a family is, could you tell me? If I said, Hey, I'm going to the hot springs. Is there anything I shouldn't wear? Can you answer those questions? Because if not, you really need to go back and listen again. So go back, listen again, and see if you can answer those questions. But here are some other questions just to get you thinking. You know, I said how the park is surrounded by an eight-foot-high electric fence. Why do you think that is? Why is there an electric fence surrounding an area where people sleep, where people visit? What is the purpose of it? Why do you think there are no flush toilets? There's only pit toilets available. Why is that? I mentioned how you can only pay cash at the hot springs. Why? Why can I not use my credit card? Why can I not use my watch to pay? Why can I not use my debit card? Why is cash the only way to pay at the hot springs? And then I also said that there is water available only from a well. There's no taps. There's no filtration system. It's just water from a well. But my question is, this is Canada. A very developed country. Why is water available only from a well? Now those are questions that, you know, there is no real answer for it. You just got to critically think about it and engage with it. So maybe you want to listen again to try and answer the 10 questions. Or maybe you want to listen again to try and answer some critical thinking questions. So why is there an electric fence around the hot springs? Why are there no flush toilets? Why can you only pay cash at the hot springs? And why do you need a well to get drinking water? Where are the taps, ladies and gentlemen? Okay, so enough about that. Those are just some questions to really get you thinking about the hot springs. And questions to test your comprehension. The 10 questions at the start. But let's take a look at some of the... um, Some of the interesting English or some of the key words that emerged in that short listening about Liard Hot Springs. And the first word I'd like to talk about is established. Established. Established or established? Potato, potato. It depends. So we use this 
to explain when something started, to explain when something was set up, like an organization. We often use this as a passive verb because generally speaking, it's not important who did the establishing. For example, Heinz was established in 1869. You know Heinz, the ketchup? Well, look at the, look at the bottle and it always has 1869 on it. Now, I said Heinz was established in 1869. I used it in that way because, honestly, I don't give a fuck who established Heinz. I only care about the fact that Heinz was created. I'm only interested in when it started. I don't give a damn about the who. You know, I mentioned how the hot springs were established in 1957. It's not important on who established it. The important part is the action that they were established. Another example. On October 24th, 1945, the UN was established. Instagram was established in 2010. Microsoft was established in 1975. So what are some businesses or companies from your country and when were they established? When was your country established, maybe? Canada was established 150-something years ago. Before that, there was a lot of people living here. Make no mistake about it. But what you need to remember is that established means started. Established is used Generally, to explain when an organization or something big was set up. So, Liard Hot Springs was established in 1957. And I don't give a fuck on who established it. That's why I'm saying it like this. You know, I mentioned how Microsoft was established in 1975. That's passive. But maybe we want to use it in the active way. Bill Gates established Microsoft in 1975. So compare those two sentences. Microsoft was established in 1975. Or Bill Gates established Microsoft in 1975. So established. That's a good one. The next word or phrase I guess, which I believe will be incredibly important for you in your English language journey is first come, first served. This is incredibly important. We use this to indicate that people will be dealt with in the order in which they arrive or apply for something. If you're going to a shop or a business and it is first come first served that means you cannot make a reservation or book something in advance you must be there to get it if a restaurant is first come first served you must arrive early because you cannot make a reservation my sister has done a lot of hiking in Spain and she recently was completing part of the Camino now, she's been doing a little bit of it every year, 
the Camino, folks, is something that you should Google. Just Google Camino Spain, and it's a big, long hike or pilgrimage or whatever you want to call it. Anyways, when you do this hike, there are many hostels that you can stay in on the trail. But you cannot make a reservation at these hostels, so you must arrive early in order to get a space, in order to get a bed. I used to live in Dublin, and the buses were first come, first served. So you're kind of waiting for a bus, and as you're waiting, you're kind of hoping that there'll be a place available for you on the bus. Another example was Liard Hot Springs. So yes, you can make a reservation online. You can make a reservation by calling them for a campsite. But if you arrive without a reservation, yes, you can stay there providing there is a vacant campsite, providing there's an empty campsite, providing there's a campsite that has not been booked yet. And if there is a vacant campsite, it is first come, first served. So if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, you don't. So first come, first served is a policy that a business or a company might have to indicate that you will be helped or you will be dealt with in the order in which you arrive. So if you're first one there, they help you first. If you're the second person there, they help you second. If you're the third person there, they help you third. And if you're the 100th person there, well, you got a long time to wait. All right, the next one is hot spring. You know, I probably should have started with this because, well, that's what the whole podcast is about. But a hot spring is a pool of water which is naturally warm. You know, the water is heated by geothermal heat in the earth. Hot springs are so relaxing. And in BC, where I live, there's hundreds of hot springs. Hot springs are like the best when there's snow outside. Picture this. It's minus 10, minus 15 degrees. The air is cold. There's snow all around you. And then you get into an outdoor swimming pool that is 45 or 50 degrees warm. And the swimming pool is full of healthy minerals. And it's natural. It's not man-made. Now that is relaxing. Guys, I can't tell you how much... I love hot springs. They are my favorite thing to do. And you can do them all year round. You know, you don't need to just do them in the cold. We went to Liard Hot Springs when it was 45 degrees temperature. And we got into the water and it was still relaxing. So a hot spring is a pool of water that is naturally warm. Do you have hot springs in your country? Is that something that people do in your country? Because it's very popular in Canada. All right, the next word we're going to look at is electric fence. This was a cool one, you know. So 
Liard Hot Springs is the only park in Canada to be surrounded by an electric fence. And this fence is 8 meters high, so you certainly won't be climbing over it. The aim of the fence is simple. Keep the bears out and keep the humans in. So when you go to Liard Hot Springs, you are in the middle of buttfuck nowhere. You are in bear country. You're in moose country. You're in wildlife country. And as a result, they put up an electric fence to protect stupid humans and our food. It's also there to protect the animals because, you know, if you feed an animal, it's going to associate humans with food and it's going to come back for more and then the animal has to be put down. So there's a good reason to have the electric fence. The electric fence is not only to protect humans, it's actually there to protect animals from humans. So here's some examples with electric fence. Number one, do not pee on an electric fence. Number two, do not touch an electric fence. Number three, the farmer put up an electric fence to stop the animals from getting out. Number four, the electric fence at Liard is designed to keep the bears out. It must be pretty strong. I'm from Ireland and, you know, there's a lot of farmland, a lot of agriculture in Ireland. And we used to walk through some fields for fun because that's what we did in my hometown, I guess. And there was always electric fences. This just popped into my head right now. I can always remember testing a fence to see if it was electric or not. And, you know, I'm not sure if you're aware of how to see if a fence is electric or not. But one of the easiest ways is, well, just to look for a sign, I guess. Is this fence electric or not? There's usually a sign. Number two is to get a piece of grass, like a long piece of grass, and a hold the grass onto the fence and you'll get a little shock and that's how you can know if a fence is electric or not now i'm not going to try that and i do not recommend that you try that because i don't want to get sued but it's just something that popped into my head there i remember us doing that as kids and i was always so scared because yeah you do get a shock from it doesn't kill you or anything but it makes you jump that's for sure So electric fence is a fence with electricity running in it, usually found at farms. In this case, found at the hot springs to protect the animals and to protect the humans and to protect the animals from the humans. That's a good one. Electric fence. All right. The next one. Year round. Yeah, this is a very important one year round so if something is open year round it never closes it's open 365 days a year so liard hot springs is open year round you can visit them in winter you can visit them in the summer you can visit them in the spring you can visit them in the fall or autumn no problem they never close In October, we have a lot of corn mazes in Kelowna. Corn, like the yellow vegetable. 
You know, they're not open year round. They're only open in October. Only for one month of the year can you go to these corn mazes in Kelowna because they are not open year round. I went to the hot springs in the summer. It was hot. But the hot springs were still nice. Because the hot springs are open year round, I'd recommend that you go there in the winter. However, getting there in the winter, it's pretty difficult. It's in a very isolated area and there's a lot of snow there. So despite the fact that it's open year round, I'd rather go when it's not too snowy because I'd be afraid that my car wouldn't make it. So year round. If something is open year round, it never closes. Yeah, it might close for a special day, like Christmas Day or Thanksgiving in Canada or something like that. But generally speaking, it's going to be open 365 days a year. Year round. Like I said many times, I'm living in a town called Kelowna in British Columbia. And there's a lot of restaurants here that are not open year round. They're only opened seasonally. And that's because in Kelowna, the the population of Kelowna like doubles or triples in the summer. You know, many people come here for the summer months and for the spring. But then once the cold weather starts to arrive, they leave. So for a lot of businesses, they don't open year-round, they only open seasonally. Is that the same where you live? Do places close in the winter and stay open in the summer? I'd actually be real interested to know. So drop me a comment or a message or something and let me know if, where you're living, are there places that close for the quiet season or are they open year-round? Year-round. I love that one. Okay. Another one I mentioned was vacant. And vacant is an adjective. If a place is vacant, it is not occupied. It is empty. Generally speaking, we use it for houses, for hotels, for apartments, for campsites, maybe even job vacancies. For example... Number one, there are some buildings in my hometown that are vacant. Vacant buildings are buildings which are not used for anything. I wish the town council would use the vacant places for homeless shelters. Number two, excuse me, are there any vacant rooms in the hotel? Number three, there are not any vacant buildings in Kelowna. It's impossible to rent a place. Four. Are there any vacant job positions right now? Six. Think about where you live. Are there any vacant buildings? That should have been number five, excuse me. And number six, again. Are there any vacant job opportunities in your city? So vacant is an adjective which means free, which means available. Not free as in no money, free as in available. We spoke about Liard Hot Springs and how if there is a vacant campsite, 
it's first come first serve so you can take it as long as it's vacant and not booked or reserved by someone else vacant to be 100% available another common way to use that word would be using the noun form of vacant which is vacancy so if you're going to call a hotel you, know, you might just pick up the phone and say, excuse me, are there any vacancies tonight? Excuse me, are there any vacancies tonight? Hey, uh, I'm just calling to see if there's any to see if there's any vacancies available in your hotel this evening. For example. Another more grim way of using vacant would be talking about ICU beds. So ICU beds intensive care unit beds and uh, unfortunately where i'm living in Kelowna, there are very few vacant icu beds because a lot of people are sick with covid right now and a lot of people who are sick with covid are in the icu ward of the hospital so there are not many vacant icu beds in Kelowna. So guys, if you're going to come to Kelowna, please don't get hurt because, uh, yeah, they might not be able to help you. How about that? Vacant, a beautiful adjective. All right, the next one is an adjective that you can use to describe an area that has a lot of vegetation. And the adjective is lush. L-U-S-H. Lush. As I said, lush is used to describe an area that has a lot of vegetation. So think about it right now for you. Can you think of an area that has lots of vegetation, that has lots of trees, lots of flowers, lots of shrubs, lots of green? Picture it in your head. Because that area is lush. L-U-S-H. Lush. I'm from Ireland. And Ireland is extremely lush with greenery. Have you ever been there? It's incredibly lush. I love walking through a lush forest. There's something really soothing about it. When you look around and all you see is green big trees, big flowers, different types of flowers, lots of life. All that area is lush. In Ireland, it rains every single day. And as a result of the rain, we have a very lush country, very green. The Amazon is extremely lush. There are so many different plants and shrubs there. I was in class last week with a student of mine who's from Colombia and we spoke about the jewel of Colombia and how it's a big giant rainforest in Colombia that is incredibly lush with many different types of plants, of animals, of shrubs and trees. Lush. Can you think of an area near you that is lush? All right, moving on from lush to <laughs> pit toilet. 
Oh yeah, that's an interesting one. Pit toilet. So we all know what a toilet is. That That's pretty easy. You know, a toilet flushes. But not at Liard Hot Springs. At Liard, there is no running water. And as a result of having no running water, there is no way you can have a flushing toilet. Instead, we use pit toilets. A pit toilet is a type of toilet that collects human feces in a hole in the ground. This is beneficial because it uses less water and it can also accelerate composting activity within the pit. So this is an incredibly environmentally friendly toilet compared to flush toilets. So if you do go to Liard Hot Springs, you will not have access to your usual toilet. You will need to use the pit toilet. I'll be honest, all over British Columbia in the mountains there are pit toilets. They're fine, guys. They're absolutely fine. You're basically just going to the toilet in the outdoors. But at least you have a seat, right? So, pit toilet. A toilet with no running water and a toilet with a giant hole underneath it. Whatever you do, oh my god, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Whatever you do, do not drop your phone or keys in the pit toilet. Okay, if I drop my phone in the pit toilet, it's gone. You know, I don't need it. I need a new phone. I was due for an upgrade, whatever. But if I drop my keys in the pit toilet, well, my girlfriend's going to have to go get them because I am not going into a pit toilet. My friend, she runs uh, like a lodge, I guess, up in the mountains. And they have pit toilets. And we can remember one time when a man came into the lodge and he said that he dropped his keys in the pit toilet. Oh, that's disgusting. That is absolutely horrible because that means his keys went down the toilet into a big hole full of human feces. But he needed his keys because he needs to drive his car. So we gave him a fishing rod and a hook. I was like, good luck, man. Good luck finding it. I think in the end he did find his keys in the pit toilet. But you would really want to clean those keys thoroughly. Ugh, disgusting to even think about it. But hey, now you know what a pit toilet is. Do not drop anything in a pit toilet. Let me tell you that. Life tip number one from Ronan. Alright. Um, the next word that we're going to talk briefly about is a camp fire ring and um, you know this is actually really important especially if you're living in Canada or enjoy nature or fires outdoors or something like that a ring is like a piece of jewelry that you put on your finger so it's a circle and a campfire ring is a steel ring a steel circle on the ground that you can have a fire in you know, usually if you're in nature, you might make a campfire ring out of rocks or something and it prevents the fire from spreading. It prevents the fire from leaving a certain controlled area. In British Columbia, it is so important to use a campfire ring because the last thing you want to do is start a wild fire. So keep that in mind. If you're having a fire, you need to have a circle. You need to have a ring. Usually, we use stones or rocks as a ring. But at Liard Hot Springs, they provide you 
with a campfire ring. They provide you with a campfire ring so you can't fuck it up. You have no excuses for having a fire that gets out of control or anything. But the biggest thing I can tell you folks is always use a campfire ring. Please, if you're going to have a campfire, use a campfire ring. All right. So let's have a look at one or two more words before we wrap up this sexy podcast. And the next one is geothermal. Geothermal. You know, I chose this as a keyword because I think it's something that we can all relate to. Like everyone in the world can relate to geothermal. Geothermal energy is heat within the earth. Geothermal heat and energy is becoming very popular in countries because it's a lot cheaper in the long term. So geothermal energy uses the heat of the earth to make water warm and to even generate electricity. Geothermal heat is sustainable and reliable. It requires no fuel. Geothermal heat can certainly be expensive to start or to get going, but once you have it going, it's great. So a geothermal energy requires a large investment at the start, but after that, you get all your electricity and your heat from the earth. Geothermal, it's a nice adjective. So in your country, is geothermal heat popular? Does anyone use geothermal heat? Have you ever heard of geothermal heat? What is geothermal heat in your own language? Geothermal heat. I can see geothermal heat becoming way more popular in the future. You know, we can't keep burning wood and whatever to make a fire, but we can use the heat of the earth for heat. It makes complete sense. You dig down and so on and so forth. I wish I knew more about it because I really believe in it. But I, I, I need to learn more. I need to study more about it. So geothermal, beautiful adjective. All right. The last one we're going to look at is diverse. Diverse. So I spoke about Liard Hot Springs and how there's diverse plant life there. How there's the... the excuse me. How there is diverse wildlife there. Okay, now I can talk again. So diverse is an adjective that we can use to describe something that has a lot of variety. Diverse means something is showing a great deal of variety. Think about a diverse city. Toronto, London. These places are extremely diverse. They are very multicultural. There are people in Toronto from all over the world. Whatever type of food you want, you can get it in Toronto. You want to meet someone from a random country, you can find them in Toronto. Now, I'm from a small town called Sligo. And when I was a kid, Sligo was not a very diverse town. Everyone was Irish. Nearly everyone was white. However, if you go to Sligo today, it's certainly more diverse than it was. Today we have many, many immigrants in my hometown and it's wonderful. 
For me, a diverse city is a beautiful city. As I said, the verse was used in this podcast to talk about the different plants at the hot springs, to talk about the different animals at the hot springs. I said there was a diverse range of animals and birds. A diverse range of. That's a nice, um, that's a nice chunk of English. There is a diverse range of animals at the, at the hot springs. When you go to Liard Hot Springs, make sure to take in the diverse range of vegetation. Do you like my presenting voice? I do not like talking like that. Anyways, here's some questions. Do you live in a diverse city? What are the advantages of living in a diverse city? Do you have a garden and do you have a diverse range of plants in that garden? Diverse. D-I-V-E-R-S-E. Diverse is an adjective which you can use to describe something that has a lot of variety. Variety. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I have a feeling that they are the biggest key words from this podcast. Number one was established. Number two was first come, first served. Number three was hot spring. Number four, electric fence. Number five, year round. Number six, vacant. Number seven, lush. Number eight was pit toilet, your favorite. Number nine was geothermal. And number 10 was diverse. And number 11 was campfire ring not in that order but those were the key words from the podcast so ladies and gentlemen i think that's it you know we started off this podcast talking a little bit about the uh the hot springs themselves you know i asked you 10 questions about the hot springs can you answer those questions when was liard hot springs established Number two, what is the name of the highway Liard Hot Springs is on? Number three, what surrounds Liard Hot Springs? Number four, how hot is the Alpha Pool at the Hot Springs? Number five, what month is Liard Hot Springs closed? Number six, how much is day use of the Hot Springs for adults? Seven, how much is an annual pass to the hot springs for a family? Eight, if I don't book a campsite, can I stay there? Nine, what facilities or activities are available at the, at the hot springs? And number 10, what should you not wear into the hot springs? Those are the questions that you should be able to answer. If you can't, go back and listen again. But... I think that's it. I can't really think of anything else right now. But I really encourage you to visit Liard Hot Springs because they are amazing. It is so nice at the Hot Springs. Yeah, so you should absolutely try to visit the Hot Springs if possible. But you know... At the very start of this podcast, I asked you 11 questions. And I'm wondering, have your answers changed with those questions? 
Question number one was, have you ever visited a hot spring? Number two, do you know what a hot spring is? Well, I certainly hope you do know what a hot spring is at this stage, because if you haven't, I'm not very good at what I do. Number three, have you ever used a pit toilet? Would you ever use a pit toilet? Do you have a problem going somewhere if there's not a flush toilet? Are you content? Are you okay with a pit toilet? I mean, for me, I spend a lot of time in the mountains. I really don't care. A pit toilet is absolutely fine for me. It's actually a luxury in a lot of places. Number four was, are there any lush gardens near your house? Number five, what is the name of a famous company from your country and when was it established? And try to give the answer in the passive or the active tense. Number six, what is a year-round activity that you can do in your country? Number seven, have you ever touched an electric fence and why? Number eight, how can you make a campfire ring? Number nine, are there many vacant properties where you live? Number 10, is geothermal heating popular in your country? And number 11, can you think of a city that is very diverse? For example, Toronto and London, two very diverse cities. I always remember living in Toronto and being able to eat whatever type of food that you want. You know, compared to my hometown where, yeah, you get like, chips and a burger, fries and a burger, and that's it. But in Toronto, there's a diverse range of food. Anyways, I'm rambling. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for downloading this podcast. It was an extra long one today. But do me a favor, pass it on to a friend if you enjoyed it. And if you didn't like it, send it to an enemy and tell them it's amazing. And you'll waste their time as well. Thank you very much. I hope you're happy. I hope you're healthy. And I'll see you later. Bye. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a wrap. Again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have any comments, any suggestions, any requests, or just want to say hello, go to my website and drop me a line. If you want transcripts and keyword lists, go to my website, www.littlesealenglish. That's little, L-I-T-T-L-E, seal, S-E-A-L, English, E-N-G-L-I-S-H dot com. Most of all, folks, please share this podcast. Please save this podcast. Please pass my podcast on to anyone you know who wants to learn English and much, much more. Anyways, that's it for now, folks. I'm out of here. Bye and thank you for listening.